Hello and good day. Welcome to the InsureTech Australia podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Dobson, and today our wonderful guest is Thomas Dijon, Senior Vice President, Asia Pac at Dakadu. Come listen in. Uh, Thomas, it's great to have you here today. Uh, thanks for coming along, and I'm really looking forward to learning more about you and Dakadu. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited as well. Great. Uh, so for our listeners, in a nutshell, Dakadu is a multi-award winning insurtech, recently selected as one of the cool vendors in insurance by Gartner, and I'm encouraged to hear the use of the word cool aligned with insurance. Uh, Dakadu has footprints across the Americas, EU, Middle East, plus Pacific, Asia Pacific. At its core, Dakadu develops solutions for digital health engagement, plus health risk quantification via health scores and risk engines. In addition, Dakadu provides a tech platform for others to build their own digital health approaches. So, Thomas, uh, tell us the story behind the headlines and what drove the development of Dakadu. Absolutely. So, th- there were a lot of fancy words in there, wasn't it? So, <laughs> so, um, so actually, um, the company is a bit more than 10 years old. So, we're probably a bit older than the, the average uh, member of uh, InsureTech Australia. But it was really started by a very personal need of our founder, Peter Onimus. Um, he's he's a, what you call a serial entrepreneur. He's done a, a number of companies, taken them public, done trade sales. Um, but the commonality is, um, has been data all the way through everything he's been doing. So about um, 11 years ago, he, um, he was in Switzerland. He lives in Switzerland. Uh, he was out skiing. And he got this uh, this mad idea that he was going to walk up the mountains with all his ski gear on um, because he thought that must be really good physical activity and, you know, I need to look after myself. I'm getting older. And then as he was walking up the mountains, he started thinking about data again. You know, oh, I'm producing all these data points and uh, surely there must be a simple way to express uh, the impact on my health uh, when I do something that's good or something that's bad to my health. So as he walked up the mountains, he got more and more frustrated that the only thing he could track would be things like steps or calories, which is not really meaningful to, to anyone. So he uh, contacted a um, group of professors that he was working with and posed a very simple question, you know, are, are there a way that we in a simple fashion can explain to, you know, in layman's term, um, when someone does something that's good or bad to their health, so people can understand the impact to their health. And uh, the professors walked away and came back with something that was called very high uh, scientific. But essentially, the idea was that they would go back and look at a very large number of medical studies, uh, give it to a bunch of developers that would code all these studies and build a number of risk models, and it would roll into a single number, uh, one to 1,000, that would be expressing where a person's overall health would be. Um, and that would, of course, include everything that impacts uh, health, both their conditions and activity and nutrition and other things as well. So Peter got very excited and he started funding the business. Um, then he realized that just telling people where the health is is not, is not enough. So he decided also to build a whole team, uh, to build an engagement platform that really would um, you know, be, again, a mass market proposition. So really recognizing that people are, have different relationships with their health and many people doesn't even have a relationship with their health. So he invested into that. So he had the Dagadu health score in the middle, one to 1,000. He built a comprehensive 
you know, technology solution around that for engagement. And then eventually, um, you know, we went into risk and underwriting because the insurers, of course, got super excited about all the data they started collecting and wanted to use that for more refined risk management and underwriting and product development. So, so what we do today actually came from a very personal problem or need. And uh, yeah, look where we are. That's a fantastic story. Uh, and yeah, starting in the mountains of Switzerland, and here we are today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, now, recently I came across the following statement, disruption starts with unhappy customers, not technology. And that was by a professor from Harvard. And I'd be keen to know what your thoughts are on that, especially given the use of the word disruption in the insure tech space. I, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's just that I think it's very circumstantial really um, I definitely think when you when we talk about insurance I very much agree um, it's driven by unhappy customers um, the you know health insurance fundamentally was you know started by I think Otto von Bismarck back in Germany uh, 150 years ago or something like that and it hasn't changed fundamentally the same thing right. And life insurance, I think, was started during Second World War, just after Second World War, and again, fundamentally, really, really hasn't changed. And and you know, I think to buy an insurance today, insurance products are uh, making claims, uh, understanding your policy. I think it's just so so disconnected from where people's mindset are today. So I would absolutely agree that from an insurance perspective. I think um, it's it's very much driven by uh, by unhappy customers as opposed to technology. Um, the technology is just catching up with with that gap in the market. But I think if you look outside technology, if you take um, say Facebook as an example, that was not created by unhappy customers, right? It was created by someone that wanted to build you know, some funny matchmaking book in in, in a university, I think, and. Um, you know, no one was asking for something like Facebook, but it's just someone had an idea that developed a piece of technology and then they, that then spawned a, a whole di- disruption maybe in the media space as we've seen recently as well. Um, so I think it, it really very much is circumstantial. Sometimes it is driven by unhappy customers. I think in other cases, it's simply a, what I used to refer to as a, a bunch of geeks in a garage or, a, you know, a, a pile of Red Bull and then something happens over the weekend, right? So so I don't entirely agree with the statement. I think it depends a lot. Yeah, no, that's really insightful. And yeah, piles of Red Bull probably have much to answer for, yeah. don't they? <laughs> <laughs> and from a Dakadoo perspective, you know, who, who are Dakadoo's customers and in what ways do your customers determine what your team does every day? Yes, it's. Um, I think it's important to mention that we work only as a business to business, so we actually don't um, interact with consumers directly. So, so the one we sell our products and services to, we tend to call clients because then they would call their their policyholders customers. So, um, so I thought I'd maybe just make that distinction first. Uh, what's What's interesting is, and I think this is very common for uh, for uh, your companies like ours, or for for most of the members is that you have a vision and an idea when you start the company and then over time you end up in a very different place, right? So um, we had, we started with, you know, if you think back about the story about Peter, you know, we were all about, we're going to change everyone's health and, you know, health has to do with healthcare. So let's go and work with healthcare organizations. We're going to go out with preventative healthcare. And then as we, um, 
started to interact with the market. Uh, actually, interesting enough, it was the health insurers that latched on to what we're doing. So suddenly, okay, we're getting to the insurance space, not the healthcare space. And then as it started working with the insurance space, we suddenly got the life insurance saying, hey, you've got some really interesting risk models that are underpinning your technology. Could we use that for underwriting? Because health insurance, you don't do a lot of underwriting, but you're doing life insurance. So suddenly we found ourselves moving into life insurance as well. And we've done a bit of a full circle because a lot of the insurance companies are now saying, you know, we need to offer pathways for our customers who are on this digital engagement platform. And that includes preventative healthcare as well. So we, after 10 years, we're kind of back where we started having going through the insurers. So I thought that's, that's an interesting thing that really keeps, you know, generally speaking, keeps us on our toes. You know, it's not like we are here for this specific industry. Very much it, it's developing um, all the time. I think um, if there's three things that I would say that keeps us uh, very focused and busy, uh, busy, one thing, of course, is roadmap. Uh, we've gone from, I would say, the first maybe eight years of our life that very much us driving the roadmap based on our vision and where we saw opportunities and weaknesses in the market. But the last two or three years, it has reversed. And I think it's very common. You see that where now the majority of our roadmap is really driven by uh, our clients. And I think it just shows a certain level of maturity in the markets that what we do has become a, a key priority for health and life insurers. It shows a lot of knowledge, clarity around what you want to do. Why is engagement with a consumer important? Uh, engagement beyond just doing policy management and claims. Why is a day-to-day engagement with an insurer, sorry, with a customer around the health is important. So we're seeing that clarity and that maturity in the market. And that's, that's changing the way that we now are developing our roadmap. And we have four to six releases every year. So we work sort of with a very high cadence. The other thing I would say is engagement. Um, or, you know, insurers fundamentally, again, I talk life and health insurers has absolutely no idea what it means to engage a customer. Um, the relationship of health insurer has been based around claims. Life insurers has typically gone through an agent or broker, and many people never make a claim. It will be their, you know, their, their widow or you know, whoever who's make the claim when you die, right? So insurers doesn't have any relationship with a customer. So working with a Dakadu where you suddenly have a relationship with a customer is a huge learning curve for the insurers. You know, what do we do? What keeps them engaged? How do we? What do we do with the marketing? How do we? recognize diversity and that different people will respond in different ways. So we spend a lot of time on analytics and we are just about to hire our first client success manager and we'll have more of those. The pure is going to focus on continue to understand what does it mean to engage you know, a, a, a consumer on a digital health journey. And we've just, uh, we're one of the co-founders of the Digital Health Engagement Institute, which is an academic institution uh, we want the sponsors of that that really is going to drill in in the space where we are. And the last bit I quickly want to mention is monetization. Um, as you know, uh, I think again it's very common. You've got your innovators that are playing around with things just to because they think it's fun and want to try and split everything apart. Then you've got your early adopters who knows that no one else has done this before, so there is no t- no nothing to be taught. It's all about learning. So all the early adopters will go in the market, will do a lot of experimentation, a lot of learning, they're risk averse, think long term, have no expectation of monetization in the early days. You're really going through sort of that learning process. But so we see very much now as the market is maturing, there's a lot of conversation around 
how do we now further monetize those relationships through acquisition, upsell, cross-sell, reduction in claims through early intervention of disease, better underwriting, risk management, et cetera, et cetera. So these are the things that keeps us busy every day. You know, I would say roadmap, uh, continues to understand engagement and, you know, continue to develop monetization models with our clients. Yeah. Okay. And that is quite um, insightful in terms of those points around engagement. Uh, certainly, I think many incumbent insurers struggle with that, how to do that how to, and how to do it well. Uh, and look, you also made mention of that institute. Did you say that's a, a newly established, the Digital Health Engagement Institute? Yes, so we've, um, in, in recognition of that, I mean, everything we do in Dagadoo ties back to medical science. Um, we're using 274 you know, medical studies and population studies across everything we do. Um, you know, we have more than 100 patents in the organization, right? And we have worked a lot with a professor in London around behavioral science that very much flow through our platform. And we really come to the recognition of how complicated this area is. And so we wanted to, uh, so, so we are one of the founders of the Institute to get like um, an academic uh, foundation where we have, there are professors from uh, Korea, that is from UK, I think there's one from the US as well from memory. So really bring academia together and, and further explore how do you engage people on something so complicated and personal as health, especially when probably 90% of the population doesn't have a relationship with health or have always been relying on a healthcare professional to teach them about health, right? That's a, that's a huge area in there. So, and that's not a sales and marketing exercise. We wanted this to be academic. So, so we are one of the co-founders of that institute. Um, it's based in Switzerland, which is very, it's not unsurprising, giving it's kind of the uh, the center of healthcare in the world, right? So, yeah, yes. that we're involved in that stuff as well. Okay, uh, fantastic to hear about that development and uh, yeah, that area of behavioral science and its impact on behavior. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, and you've mentioned or alluded to partnerships a little so far. Mm. Um, and I'm sure all of our listeners understand the importance of building uh, great partnerships. Uh, for Dakadu, what has that looked like for you? And of the partners you most enjoy working with, what qualities do they share? Yes, yeah, so there's this uh, buzzword ecosystem. Right? Everyone likes to throw into their sentences and uh, it's very much also the case for us um, and, and for the insurance insurers as well. I think if you go... 10 years back, insurers were very um, self-sufficient. You will have your agent brokers, you have the primary insurer, you'll have the underwriter, you know, but it works a lot in a silo. Um, but we're seeing now insurers working, you know, a lot with a bank, with bank assurance, they're beginning to expand into other areas as well. And we also work with a lot of partners in our company across different areas. Um, we talked about engagement just before. Um, the fourth generation of our tool we worked a lot uh, with a set of professor in UK around behavioral science. We have um, a medical advisory board uh, with another three professors, but they're medical professors that helps us um, continue to find the studies, uh, latest studies that are underpinning everything that we do. Um, so at the moment, we spend a lot of time on uh, mental health, for instance. There's a lot of good things coming out at the moment that we are further refining in our platform. But we also work with uh, one of the design agencies that Apple is using called Frog um, to help us a lot to design 
uh, really intuitive user interfaces as well. So we got those types of partnerships that we very much appreciate, especially the ones with professors are so important for us because anyone can come up with great technology, but build great technology that has a very, very robust foundation on medical science is a completely different ball game, right? And takes a lot of time and a lot of money to do. Um, we have very strong technology partnerships. We moved um, two years ago, completely rebuilt our whole system so it became cloud native. Um, so you also hear things like, uh, you know, software as a service, platform as a service. In Dagadoo, we use infrastructure as a code, which is like one level beyond that as well, which means we work in a complete virtual kind of assure environment where different things might be in different places and everything is done almost in real time updates of systems uh, around the world. Every client of ours have their own system from Dagadoo. So we have, you know, dozens of systems hosted all over the world. Um, in this part of the world, I have, we have systems, you know, in China, Japan, Korea, Hong Kong, Singapore. We'll soon have the first one in India as well. So we work a lot with uh, with, with Microsoft, with MongoDB, these companies, uh, absolutely pushing the boundaries of what you can do uh, in cloud. Work a lot with content uh, partners uh, and with healthcare partners to um, to enrich our technology. We are a technology company. We're not a content company. So how do you integrate that into a user experience so it becomes logical? So we work with a lot of companies. Uh, we have two Australian partners as well. Uh, SleepFit is uh, a partner in Sleep, and Awakened Mind is one of our mindful partners down here. And finally, we work a lot with the reinsurers, especially on the underwriting risk side, um, in, in working with them so they will uh, you know, accept the outputs from our technologies, and then they work with the regulators and, of course, our clients as well. Um, and I already mentioned the Digital Health Institute, which is going to be a very strong partner of Dagadoo as well. So we got all these different uh, relationships. Uh, we work a lot with rewards partners as well. For those of our clients that wants to give their customers rewards, we have a very strong partnership with the biggest rewards company in the world called Oil Logic as well. Um, so we work with these. Who would I who would I appreciate most of those relationships? Um, I would probably say the relationships with our professor team, because I think everything else we do can be replicated. Um, it, like, some of it takes time, but to go in and have the support of a professor team to uh, identify all these studies, to work with the uh, developers, to build all the algorithms, to do the models, to validate it, continue to maintain it, um, is is a privilege to work with these guys. Um, you know, there will be many academics who will say, "There's no way I'm ever going to work with a company like Dagadoo." You know, it's a, I'm a you know a researcher, right? So, I think of all the relationships, that's probably the one I would appreciate the most because it sets us so much apart from just about any other player in the market in the space that we are working in. Yes, uh, I would I would agree, and that's super interesting. Uh, and wow, what an ecosystem that is! Yeah, you know, you've done a high high level description, but uh, multiple touch points. Uh, it looks like you know pretty much every angle is covered to some degree, and I know that that has probably taken many years to build up uh, and to build those trusted relationships yeah. there. Yeah. Now, tell us uh, as you've gone along. I'm sure there've been many lessons learned. Uh, and there may well have been some advice uh, that you've chosen to ignore for whatever reason. Could you tell us a little bit about that? that? Yeah, so I think uh, 
you know, Dagadu, when it was started, was very much, and we have a very visionary founder, right? But he's also understands technology really well. And in addition to working with all these professors, he also hired some of the smartest tech people he could find. Um, so the first engineer that's hired, our CTO, is one of the top AI guys in the world, for instance. He's a, you know, a super gamer and everything else. And there was, I would say, up to probably about three years ago, a lot of the things we, we did, you could see, was really engineering-driven. Sometimes they're a bit over-engineered as well. It was not like we've done we, we've done it because this is what the, the ultimate consumer expects. It's more about we've done this because that's the right thing to do from an engineering perspective. So I think um, that, that, you know, that we have now shifted over now we're very much consumer driven we've got a whole product team and we do all kinds of focus groups and we've got testers around the world and what have you right but i think um lessons learned if, if it's up to me i think we should probably a bit earlier have got that sort of a sales and marketing customer into it rather than doing things the the engineering way right so um because you know when engineers do something it's probably very robust it's not necessarily the most compelling thing so so i think that's one one thing that we we have learned but we sort of absolutely rectified that uh so it's, it's something of the past also as i said in my introduction um there was and there still is to some extent this whole thing we're here to save the planet we want to make everyone healthy um and the, but the reality is when you i mean an insurance company their business is risk if we if we actually succeeded in making everyone healthy, every single health insurer and life insurer would be out of business, right? So, um, and that's not what they want. That's not what we want. We don't want to lose our customers. So, so what's interesting is that we have seen the shift in the market where insurer says, you know, when we when you work with with health insurers, they're very interested in in managing health because they take the hit every month, every year, whatever, right? But as you begin to move into uh, maybe more life insurance. It's a, it's a different view that people have. So, so going as an organization from having, we build the company because we want to make everyone happy to understanding that an insurer doesn't necessarily work with you because they want to make everyone happy. They might, they, they would work with you. They use health as the opportunity to build a good and a meaningful relationship with the consumer. But ultimately insurers still looking at, can I use some of that insight? to design better products for the insurer, to better manage my risk. Do I have an opportunity to make it available to the general public and then maybe win some of these relationships to make them customers? So a lot of things we do still ties back to very traditional business drivers in an insurance, right? And there's nothing wrong with that at all. If people get more happy and the insurer gets more business, I think that's a wonderful combination. But just as a, as a culture, you know, we work away from we are just here to save the planet to actually, you know, we are still here to support traditional business is also something that you go through. That's I think that's a key learning. And there's still, you know, parts of the business that are going through that transition at the moment. I think the last thing I quickly want to mention is that we are quite fortunate that we are a well-funded business. Uh, we have, uh, I mean, our founder is a very key shareholder and we have, we're mostly funded by family offices and, and wealthy individuals. And when you are well-funded, um, you, you probably have a bit more flexibility on, on how you, on, on experimenting with things and do different things. And sometimes you, 
you know, if you've got a strong um, visionary leader, sometimes maybe you could get off to a tangent and they realize, hang on, we need to go back. We, we, we went down the, you know, the wrong track here and we lost a bit of time as well. So I think that's, that's part of the learning. Again, I don't think there's any of the stuff I mentioned here that's unusual for, the, for, our, for our type of organization. But um, that's, that's some of the lessons uh, that, that we have learned. Um, advice that ign- ignores, uh, to be honest, I really cannot come up with, with anything that stands out. I'm sure there would have been something, but not something that really I would say that has hurt us in any way. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And look, that's also uh, helpful to hear about the traditional business drivers uh, because I, I think uh, perhaps over recent years, that seems to be downplayed somewhat, but they still exist uh, and and all businesses are impacted by those drivers in some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. But if everyone wins, I think that's wonderful. If you get, if you get healthier people and at the same time you get uh, you know, more digitized insurance companies or digital, sorry, not digitized is the wrong word, Digi- digital insurance companies, you know, everyone wins. So I think that's wonderful. Yes, and better products, better designed products. Yeah, uh, is a oh, yeah. fantastic outcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always have the conversation with insurers about the difference between digital and digitized, right? Uh, when they say, "Oh, yeah, we're digital," and then they show you that the you know that when you want to apply for an insurance policy, it's now on their website. I say, "But that's not digital. That's just you're taking your 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 PDF file and put it on the website. It's still the same process. You just digitized it. That's not digital, right?" Oh, really? That's a difference we didn't know. It's a hell of a difference. In digital, you rethink everything you do from zero and rebuild it again, right? So, mm-hmm. oh, really? <laughs> anyway. Yes. Yeah. Yep. The uh, nuances of those words and how they actually yeah. impact customer yeah. experience, really key. Absolutely. And tell us a little bit more about the Dakadu team. So when it comes to building the team, and I know that you Dakadu has people around the globe, um, so maybe more within your arena, uh, you know, what, what are the top qualities that you would look for when bringing people into your team uh, and how has team building come about? Yeah, so here in Asia, which is the footprint that I'm responsible for, um, so we have sales, and marketing, uh, we have technical uh, pre-sales project management and we have uh, customer support. So we are reasonably self-sufficient. Uh, we're just about to build our fourth, development organization and that will be based in Asia, uh, somewhere in Asia. I can't mention at the moment where it is. So we've got a good team out here. I really think that um, the qualities depends a lot on on the role. Um, anyone that's involved with development of technology and uh, implementation of technology, for me, quality is absolutely number one um, and, and probably also number two. Quality, quality, quality. Um, it's, it's so important because what we do is very becoming more and more important to our clients. If we don't do a really good job, it will have a tremendous impact. But I think the the areas that I, um, you know, if, if if I look beyond the technology side, the two words that come to my mind would be uh, perception and value focus. And the reason why I say perception is that um, despite the fact that the industry is they become far more mature and much better understands what they want to do with someone like Dagadu. There's still a lot of reading between the lines. What are they saying? What do they really mean? You know, they want this now, but what's the implication of that longer term? This is the first phase. You know, what's the opportunities, et cetera. So I think there's a lot, in my mind, there's a lot of, when you meet people, really listen a lot to them and ask, 
the right questions. And, and a lot of questions are not necessarily for, for us to get answers, but for them to to think as well, to get them to think as well. So I, I look a lot for people that have a strong perception of what's going on and ask the right questions to create stimulated you know, interactions. For me, that's really important. The other one on the value focus is, um, you know, it's, it's we I, I work we work very strategic with our clients out here, and if the client is not ready to work with us, we we're perfectly fine. We don't try and force them to buy our products if we could. Um, that's a time and place for everyone. You know, you have again as I said earlier, you got your innovators, early adopters, late adopters, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's totally cool. We. Um, we, we work with people when they're ready to work with us. We always do it on how do we create, create value for you. So the question I always have to find when I talk to a potential client is, what's your business objective? What do you want to get out of what we do today? And, and then they'll say, well, we want acquisition or we want to increase your persistency rates or early detection of disease for claims reduction or whatever it may be. But understanding what they want is going to drive so many other things the way we do. We talked about ecosystem or partners earlier. These all are dependent on what the objective of the client is. So, and to have long-term meaningful relationships um, where the client is successful, you know, you need to be value-focused, right? So, um, so I would say perception and value-focused are two things I really look for for people um, in, in, in my part of the, world, of the world. Great. Thank you for that. Really important point too around the you know the business objectives actually driving the rest of the activity from there on in. Fantastic. Okay, and so in your time with Dakadu, uh, you would have seen the various changes, and you've mentioned some of them earlier about change and roadmap approach and things like that. Is Dakadu where you imagined it might be? So the um, I think in terms of where we are from a competitive position. Uh, we are absolutely where we want to be. Uh, we are probably, I wouldn't say we're beyond where we want to be because I'm sure our founder would say, no, 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 Thomas, we always wanted to be where we are. But we are uh, un- undisputably the leader now worldwide in the space where we're working in. We have 30 to 35 insurance clients worldwide. Um, and, you know, we are talking, you know, the Aon, HSBC, Manulife, Chop, Cigna, you know, some of these big multinational clients are all clients of ours. They are relying on Dagadu to build these solutions. So I think in that sense, absolutely, I don't think we could have been in any better, any better position than, uh, than where we uh, wanted to be. In terms of how far our clients are in extracting value out of Dagadu, we are probably a bit behind where I would love people to be. Um, the whole conversation around monetization, I would probably have loved to have had, you know, two or three years ago. Um, but I think it's just probably just reflects that, again the fact that insurers have never before had direct relationship with a customer, and it's actually a huge learning curve for them. It's a huge change in culture. The whole digital we talked about before, difference between digitizing and being digital. So I think it's just all these things that the insurance had to go through as well. That just means things are moving a bit slower than probably what I would have liked. So in terms of where we are, you know, with the number of clients, super happy. The types of clients, super happy. Where we are competitively, very, very happy. But how far our clients are, I would have loved them to be just a tad further. But uh, you know what? I'm probably going to regret that in a year's time because then suddenly the clients will go through the roof and then, uh, you know, then we're going to be super busy, right? So. 
but that's that would be a summary of our, I think where we are. So all yeah, I mean I, I think we would be very very happy where we are for sure. So and hey, we're eleven years old, you know. So you know I think we made it right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's fantastic growth over that time. So, you know, congratulations to you and the team on that. Uh, and look, if your clients suddenly uh, do progress much quicker, I guess that is kind of a good problem problem to have. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but yes, yes, you'll have to adjust some more. Fantastic. Okay. And then uh, just to wrap up this conversation, which has been really insightful, thank you. Uh, during uh, your time with Dakadu and seeing the evolution uh, progressing forward, what have you been most grateful for? We have, um, I mean, we have an absolute brilliant technology. As, as I mentioned earlier, it's a highly com- complex technology because it's based on on, sci- on science, right? Um, the fact that we are pushing the boundaries of cloud. Uh, we have Microsoft publishing articles about Dagadu. We have MongoDB. We work with a database uh, awarding us, you know, the, the most innovative te- technology company in the world. These things, I, I think, is absolutely in, uh, uh, impressive. Uh, we have a very impressive client list, as I said before. But I think uh, what I'm probably most grateful for is uh, the patience and the support we have from our shareholders. Um, you know, there are many... There's, there are many uh, startup companies that work with maybe venture capital companies that might have less patience and a sort of a, 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 a shorter view of when a company should go public or should be spun off as well. Um, having, as I said, family offices, having wealthy individuals um, coming from pharma or financial services, coming from retail and technology, so quite a diverse group of shareholders as well that had the patient and have been funding us and allows us to do things the right way and build the technology the way it is with the foundation we have is probably the one uh, I'm most grateful for because it really allows us to go out and fully pursue, you know, the vision and the dream and really maximize the opportunity in the market. And that's not something that, uh, you know, all in uh, sort of startup companies. I know we are not a startup anymore, but it's not something that it's probably something that only few startup companies have that kind of luxury as well. And I would say that's something I'm very grateful for, for sure. Fantastic. Okay, Thomas, look, it has been a fantastic conversation. I've really enjoyed your insights. Uh, and it sounds like Dakadu is, is ticking all, almost all the boxes uh, in your mind in terms of progress uh, thanks again for coming and sharing your story with us oh it's my pleasure thank you very much and um, i hope it was uh, enjoyable from all the team at insuretech australia thank you for joining our conversation today we have yet another interesting guest sharing with us next month catch you then